Welcome to Season 2, Episode 9 of the Shoulda Backed It podcast. Day 2 of the Championships at Randwick saw one of the best fields assembled on Australian soil in some time in the Queen Elizabeth Stakes. The race lived up to the billing with a dominant win to English Raider, Adabe. The Sydney Cup was run and won by Etta James with the highly fancied favourite, Young Rascal, failing to fire. Joining me to talk through all the action is Herald Sun racing expert, Chris Venuccio. Happy Easter, Big V. Uh, I saw you got all the chocolates yesterday, so hopefully no different today. Happy Easter, Phil. Yes, it's uh, great to do another podcast with you, and it was another exciting day of racing for day two of the championships, and some great racing, and I really enjoyed it, so hopefully... There's a few more winners to come. Still another week left in the Sydney Carnival, and then we've got Adelaide afterwards. So, yeah, a lot to look forward to. Mate, you had a spring in your step yesterday with Colette's big win. Uh, How did you go overall? It wasn't too bad. Yeah, Colette was a, a very good result. And um, I think a deep into Queen Elizabeth, once it was a heavy track, that looked like um, a good bet over the Japanese horse, Dan Premium. I suppose if you change the weather conditions, if you had a good track, you might change the results between those two overseas horses. So, yeah, that was a, you know, the, one of the, the best fields we've seen for a while. So, yeah, really outstanding. Well, I knew you were having a good day, mate, when after Colette went, won, you uh, just swanned off the Skype meet-up that we had and just went and got yourself a nice uh, little dram of whiskey to, to celebrate the win. Well, it wasn't a good start to the day, and we'll talk about that later on, but yeah, it was good to see Colette knock me off the week before, and this time I thought I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on her, and you know, and she delivered for me this time. It was another challenging day at Caulfield as well, I thought. I didn't, didn't get too many winners there yesterday with the, uh, the heavy track and the howling winds that were, were battering Melbourne. Yeah, I think it was another day where I stayed out of Caulfield again, as you mentioned, heavy rain during the day. The rain was coming and going, and it looked like a really tricky day. It was a tricky day beforehand, but when you got the, the rain, made it even harder, so I was happy to stay out of out of Caulfield. All right, well, we'll move straight into our should have backed it and should have sacked it for the week. I might actually move straight into mine. A horse we've just discussed a little bit already is Colette. Now, I think this is the first time we've done this, Big V, where I've gone back-to-back with the same horse that I should have backed, so... That that's a shame on me in a way, isn't it? I just, oh, it's a bit a bit shattering to uh to uh, have to see it win so well two weeks in a row and not be on it. I looked the winner a long way out yesterday. Um, I was on Probabil myself, uh, which probably looks like it's due for a little bit of a spell in the paddock after yesterday's performance. I would have thought. Yeah, obviously a good one for you, but again, yeah, I was off it again and disappointed the whole way because yeah, it just loomed beautifully. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up uh, Colette as as your horse because. On Saturday morning, I was absolutely surprised that um, Probabil was $4 into $3 and was the, the new favourite. And I was trying to work out why. I mean, I was pretty confident with Colette. And before midday, you could have got 360 for her, and that didn't last too long. I mean, I suppose the, the mistake I made was uh, not being bullish enough with Colette. And I had already committed to her at 320. And when I saw she was out to 360, I should have gone again on her, but just happy to stay with the bet I had but back on Probabil for it to be um, crunched in the morning I mean there's three reasons why I was happy to take her on and I don't think she was being targeted for the Oaks 
I reckon she was going to go wherever Funstar didn't go. She had the wide barrier, so you knew she was going to be back in the field. And the heavy track, when I mean, the connections have made no secret that she's not as good on a, on a wet track. And so that's three reasons why to be against her. And, and she was nearly, fa- and she was, you know, favourite Saturday morning. And, and in the run, you know, she was, you know, 100 to 1 to win that race. And, and Colette looked really looked to be travelling. And then once Stick Em Up put some speed in the race, I mean, it looked like it was over, you know, 600 from home. Now, Big V, I've got to call you out on this one. I think we discussed Colette last week, and you spent a good 30 seconds to a minute potting Colette's form up in Brisbane, saying that it was uh, second rate, no evidence that it uh, had a class edge over the field last week, and now you're, you're talking like it was a certainty for the Oaks. What's going on? What's the well, change, I, mate? I, I stand by my comments last week, it was in, and it was country New South Wales um, her form was in, and before last week, you know, the, I don't think there was any substance in the clock in, in her races that she'd been winning. I think it was Newcastle and Kembla Grange from the top of my head. Mm. But when she won the Adrian Knox last week, that she won in style and she won in the time that was strong. It was a there was a fast tempo in the race and she was able to win pretty convincingly. So that so that convinced me that, you know, there was that, that was a a good performance and I was happy to be on her. It's sort of like um I think she at the bar when she at the bar won the binary. Sort of had she was double figure odds, and then she's come out and won the binary in a strong, in a strong rating. But she was coming out of a race that had a it was a sit and sprint, compared to Colette being a you know really fast tempo. So I was happy to side with with that aspect of it. So if you got those two type of race shapes, you know strong tempo compared to sit and sprint, I'll take the strong tempo. And, um, and I think the, the lesson that I learnt last week, I, I remember hearing a, a professional punter explain once that if you have a, a, a losing bet, don't get so down on yourself. You've had an investment in that race, learn from it. I backed parity to beat Colette. I got that wrong. Colette just happened to win, you know, in style and, you know, I was happy to, to jump on board for the Oaks. Well, I should have taken the advice of that professional punter, mate, because I've managed to stay away two weeks in a row. Uh, Hazard to say I won't be doing that again uh, with Colette. I think that's a, it's a quality win yesterday and obviously has put together a number of quality wins in a row now. I think that's four on the trot, so should come back bigger and better than ever, ever I would say. And the last point I want to make on the Oaks is that there's a lot of talk about Probabil being the class in the race. I mean, I, I, mean, I agree. I think Probabil is a classier horse than Colette but is that at 14, 16, maybe 2000? When you get to 2400 I think it's a different level of class I just think Colette had the the class edge over the field at that distance range so yeah, I think a lot of the talk maybe about probably having you know having the class over Colette maybe that was one reason why she was into three dollars Saturday morning. It wasn't all doom and gloom for me, Big V, and um, I'm, I'm happy that we'll, uh, you've chosen your shoulder-backed at horse, which happened to be my best bet of the day. So uh, away game in the Percy Sykes Stakes uh, in race four uh, was your shoulder-backed it for the week. Yeah, I just, kicking myself, I didn't get on. I just, I just thought away games, had a long prep, you know, running the Gold Coast, in the Magic Millions, the Blue Diamond, the Golden Slipper. I thought, you know, this could be, you know, maybe that 
run too many and also a heavy track. I mean, she's had a, a placing on the soft, so he had a heavy eight track. I just thought, oh, I don't want to take the risk on her. But she's just bolted in and, you know, she's paid a pretty attractive price at 320 So, yeah, probably, um, yeah, should have jumped on her as well. Yeah, I just, I, I get your point around being at the end of the prep and, you know, there being a risk, particularly with a two-year-old filly, not quite sure what you're going to get sometimes. But I just thought away game looked several classes above anything else in that field. And you mentioned 320 I managed to get $3.80, so it was an absolute bonanza for me, that one, and started my day very well. Uh, it didn't improve from there, unfortunately, but certainly made enough to easily make bank just with that win on its own. Yeah, just nothing more to add about that race, yeah. I see your point. She looked like the class, and yeah, the class prevailed. And, and every so often with those sort of ones, you do see them fail. We saw with a couple of horses at the end of their preps not quite doing as they had in the past, but fortunately for me, it did do well, and unfortunately for you, it, it didn't. We might move then on to our should have sacked it. So another one of your best bets of the day is yours, Cosmic Force. Yes, that was uh, my sacked it for the weekend, and. Yeah, I think I probably got a bit caught up in his trial. He, he was a bit of a flop in the Galaxy and, you know, he opened up 460 on the Wednesday into 360 still on Friday. And I, I had a look at, I saw the his trial and and I think I got a bit carried away by that and I've jumped on and, again, he, he was very disappointing. He's, I don't think he's the same horse that won by seven lengths last year and, yeah, I just got sucked in and... I know he's pulled up lane, but I think I want to see a bit more substance from this horse going into the future now. Yeah, my concern with Cosmic Force from a purely a punting perspective is I, I always feel like it starts unders. I don't feel like you're ever getting yeah. great value for it. It started favourite in its last two, hasn't done much, and I, I think I'd prefer to, to sort of work around it from a punting perspective and find something in a bit more value, which I did do yesterday as well. So disappointing for yourself and those others that were on the favourite. But, yeah, I understand it might have pulled up a bit lame as well from the race. Yeah. He was over bet. It was a $3 chance. I thought that was pretty tight. I mean, on paper it looked like a tricky race. And I suppose the reason why I gave him another chance was he was stepping up to the 1,200 metres, which he might have been looking for. The Galaxy might not have even been the right race for him. But, um, yeah, he just I, – I thought he'd be closer to the speed as well, but he was a bit further back than expected. But he just – he was gone well before the finishing post. Well, my should have sacked it for the weekend was actually back at Caulfield in race seven, the, uh, the Group 3 Easter Cup. And it was Secret Blaze, which couldn't get anywhere near the eventual winner, Inverloch. Uh, what made that even more – painful for me was that I was on Inverloch last week uh, when it ran a pretty gutsy second but I was a little bit disappointed with how it finished off uh, but I was disappointed I didn't stick with Inverloch and, and jumped over to Secret Blaze. Um, I think probably was a target race for Inverloch and that last run that I was a little bit disappointed with in hindsight was probably just enough to top it up and get it nice and fit for this week so yeah went to Secret Blaze. Uh, it didn't do well at all. I don't think it handled the uh, the track, according to the jockey Jamie Carr, but in the end of the day, yeah, just disappointed that I, I couldn't be on the horse that I was following and, and jumped off at the last minute. So I think overall, one of the mistakes I did make yesterday from a punting angle was picking too many horses without exposed wet track form at Caulfield. There was a lot of disappointing runs, and I know we'll go through a, little, a couple of them later on as well, but yeah, you, you've really got to pick 
horses for courses, pardon the pun, and, and, and make sure that you've got, you're on the right ones in those sort of really harsh conditions? Yeah, I think that was the, the key there. Um, Secret Blaze doesn't have the soft track form compared to Inverloch, and Inverloch's beaten it twice now. And just having a look at um, Inverloch, was really well supported as well, 550 into 420 and st- ended up starting favourite. Dropping back from 24 to 2,000, I don't think that's such a, a big... Um, it's not a. It's not so much a, a big deterrent when you're getting a wet track because it is tough conditions. So that would have felt like a 2400 meter run for Inverloch, and I think it was a great ride by Michael D. Just on the speed the whole way, and they just couldn't catch it. Yeah, and it's actually um, that's a good point you raise there, and something we've actually had a little bit of an argument over the last sort of three or four weeks around how the track at Caulfield is playing. I think there's no doubt over the last three meetings that being on the inside was an advantage. Uh, perhaps later in the day yesterday, some horses were able to come down the outside and make a make a, a race of it. But I think it's just disappointing from a punting perspective that you can be out of the race so early at Caulfield. You, your horse gets stuck a bit wide or, or you know, it doesn't quite suit its pattern and you, you're no chance really early on, which I don't feel like is a great thing for punters moving forward. So hopefully I'm hoping they can get that right. Uh, when they when they come back to the track, yeah, having rain on the day the last two weeks doesn't help as well. It makes it a lot tougher. But Caulfield used to be a really um, one of my favourite tracks to have a bet on, and I'm finding in the last twelve months that it's been really tricky for me at, at Caulfield. So I don't know what's happening there. Whether it's a track watering policy, you know, I know we've had rain as well on race days. So there's just something about Caulfield now that's making it really tricky to to bet there with. A great deal of confidence where in the past I used to enjoy having a bet at the Heath. Yeah, and no, I've always struggled there, apart from a couple of notable days, so that run is definitely continuing in recent times. Actually, while we're on Caulfield, you wanted to discuss with me race six, which was won by order of command, its first win for about a year. Um, and it easily could have been my should have backed it for the week as well. But you did want to discuss from a betting angle William Thomas and the fact that it started favourite despite the fact it didn't, well, didn't have a chance to do anything in its previous start and was held up and, and ran last. And I guess we had a lot of pundits really talking up its potential to win yesterday and it did start favourite. So just interested as to your philosophy around horses that haven't been able to get a run in the previous start and, and have got caught up. And sometimes they look like world beaters, but really you don't know, do you? No, and, and I think that's a, there's a saying in race, I think beware the, the unlucky horse. And no doubt William Thomas was unlucky first up, but it was a $26 chance. And and I know it didn't have didn't get a crack at him at all, but if, if he did manage to get a run, you don't know how well the horse was going to go. And so for the reason for him to be favourite, albeit $6, $6.50 in a very open race, you know, that's a real big leap of faith. I was just happy to, to watch the race, watch the horse, see, you know, if that first up unlucky run was what it was. But... Even, even his run on Saturday, he was on the inside rail, so maybe he was on the worst part of the track, but I wouldn't want to be jumping on him yet. I want to see him have another run. He might have needed that that run there. and Yeah, a bit surprised by... Um, he was being talked up the way he was leading up to the race. And just on the winner order of command, that was a, a big win. I wasn't sure how, how he would go first up with a big weight at Caulfield. He's a, he's a very good Flemington horse, but he looks like he might be in for a, a good prep. 
Yeah, uh, that's a, it's good for order of command. Unfortunately, I was on at every single start last prep and it didn't manage to crack a win in any of those starts. So I was happy to watch it go around yesterday. I was happy about until about the 100, that is, when it shot away from the field and won convincingly. But just back on to the William Thomas uh, discussion, and not so much about that horse, but more generally, do you, uh, do you often follow horses that have had unlucky performances? Do you think you get value from those sort of follow-up bets, or are you, 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 do you prefer to have a look? I guess I'm asking because often a horse like William Thomas will be set for a race, and its previous performance didn't really give it a chance to have a hit out. So you're not quite sure whether it's going to be peaking when it should be because really it only had a, a light gallop the start before. Yeah, it's a good question. I think it depends on the circumstances. I mean, what stage of the prep the horse is in. You know, maybe a horse might have been unlucky, you know, third up, fourth up, deep in the market. You know what the lead-up runs were like. And if you get an unlucky run then you could probably follow that with a bit more confidence. When it's first up, second up, early in the preparation and they're unlucky, you don't know what's you don't know what effort that horse was capable capable of and and sometimes you might just need to wait one more run. Sometimes you might you might miss a good price winner just by waiting that extra run, but sometimes I'd rather take the risk out of it. Yeah, it depends on the, the circumstances. Yeah, no, fair enough. Now, uh, we've talked about a couple of the big races there at Randwick, but one we haven't really given much thought uh, discussion to is the Queen Elizabeth, which was won by a Dave in quite convincing style in the end. I know you mentioned in our preview there that Danon Premium, if it was on a drier track, the uh, tables may have been turned. But we also saw a very elegant run into second and a a couple of eye-catching runs in behind them as well. What did you make of the race? Yeah, it just looked like a Dave in the heavy conditions in the run, just... Looked in like in the perfect spot. I mean, Dan Premium, very elegant. Even Master of Wines, Yaku Shark, Melody Bell, the top six there. They were, you know, back in the field. And Adib just had the position in running and always looked like he was going to win in the run. And, you know, it was just too strong for them. And Dan Premium didn't look comfortable in the wet track. I reckon if it was a good track, he might have been maybe a bit closer and it would have made a, a race of it. So, yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if these two horses stay in Australia. I don't know what the plan is now, where, whether they fly back or if they can fly back or, you know, what happens now. But we'll see what happens. And otherwise, you know, very elegant. It looks like a horse to watch in the spring. She didn't have a very good spring last year. She was, um, you know, very plain, considering um, her autumn form was, you know, super last year. So it'll be good to see if she can back up her form into the spring yeah i guess your point around the internationals is interesting too i mean obviously nothing for them for a few months now but if they are looking at things like the cox plate they they might hate they might hang around in the current environment if they have settled in okay and they're comfortable and there's a there's a spot for them no doubt <laughs> no doubt there would be but yeah very elegant i think i was mentioned to you uh yesterday it's just a horse you can trust now there was a time where you saw it go around at $3 and you were a bit nervous throughout the run. You saw it pulling, very immature in its action, very green in, in what it was doing. But but now you see that and you're not worried. You know it's still going to be yeah. able to kick and matured physically, I think, but also, more importantly, I think, for it mentally. Yeah, she's um, yeah, another very good run from her. And you can, yeah, you can see when she runs that she is pulling a little bit. But if it's their natural, it seems to be just her naturally and she's just learned to control it. And she's just been a, an outstanding performer. 
just on the bedding in the race, I mean, you can see as soon as the track went into the heavy range, Adib went into favouritism ahead of Dannon Premium, and Dannon Premium drifted out to $5, and there was some late support for the horse. So I think a few punters thought that that was um, over the odds for him. I was surprised to see Master of Wine really drift out to $13. Mm. I mean, that was, a, that was a big drift on the day. What did he do? He went out from nine fifty to $13. I was surprised that there was a little bit of late support for Tiaku Shark. He was 6 out to $7 back into five fifty, considering he had um, some vet concerns leading up to the race and his position in the, in the run as well. Yeah, I was surprised that there was a, a late rally for for Tiaku Shark and and look at Deep. I mean, he, he's eased out a little bit as well. He's finished up four or twenty. So you know, it was a you know good betting race if you if you got the winner because it's a, that was a you know you take a four dollar winner every day. Well, and you deserve it too because if you looked at that field, as you mentioned, you're getting probably ten dollars around a ten time Group One winner in Melody Bell. You got Master at Wine thirteen to fifteen dollars and. You know, you could get a good price, very elegant, and a couple others as well. So if you did manage to pick the winner, you, you've done a done a, a pretty good job. And really, any of those top six, you, you wouldn't be too disappointed with the runner. One of my horses to follow, which we'll touch on later, definitely is Master of Wine. I think, I think that horse is definitely uh, going to up for bigger and better things as we move forward in the spring. So it was a, quite an eye-catching run and the fact that it was able to finish fourth in that race is probably testament to that so yeah a great addition of the race one of the best fields we've seen assembled in the country for a long time it was a very exciting lead up and you know often with a few different form lines as well to work into so yeah uh, overall i think they would have been happy with how that worked out up there in sydney speaking of races at sydney the sydney cup was run and won uh edda james got the job done at about 12 dollars, so knocking a few out of the quaddy no doubt but that was a good performance with uh the chosen one nipping at its heels towards the end yeah it did uh it was a strong win and it knocked us out of the quaddy as <laughs> well we got the other three legs so that hurt and and just the bit of argy bargy between the the stable mates raheen house and mustajia I mean, the, the owners wouldn't be too happy with Avdala and Gorilla because <laughs> they just you know, took each other out and Raheem, Raheem House taking the, the run of Mustajia. I mean, I know that you're riding, you saw you are riding for yourself on one hand, but when you're riding for the same owners and you know you're riding for the same owners, or even if it's the same trainer, I mean, sometimes you just got to, you know, the jockeys just got to talk to each other and just say, look, I'm, I'm coming on your inside or I'm coming on your left or your right leave me some room don't don't chop off the stable mate it's like in formula one <laughs> <laughs> bit like the old uh, mark weber and Vettel when they used to uh cut each other off and not yeah. listen to instructions but i think that's probably a, a reasonable principle for all jockeys not just those that are riding horses from the same um, ownership but i think both of those horses were stuck in pretty average ground there on the inside i think the, uh, the winners subsequent winners have all come a little bit wider than that so i thought Raheen House's performance particularly was quite was quite a good one to to manage to finish third because I think if it was in better ground you might have might have seen that come over the top and win but yeah I understand nothing's actually come of that particular scuffle no not nothing to answer for following a, an investigation um, yesterday afternoon so everyone walked away I, you know without too much damage yeah and I've I only seen the race once I haven't looked at a replay yet but I think um, it looked like early young rascal was just getting you know, 
niggle, not niggle that, but um, yeah, taken on a little bit. I think maybe by Angel of Truth as well. So he was very disappointing, I, I thought, although he was probably pestered a little bit in the early stages. Um, not much more to add out of the race. It was um, not one that I'm going to be following any of these horses in, no. into, getting into the spring. Yeah, Young Rascal, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I understand it was the first time it's gone to 3,200. Didn't look completely comfortable over that distance. And I'd heard some um, reporting uh, throughout the week too from those that would know that uh, doesn't often back up after a, a race too well. So it's it's second up performances that haven't quite matched its peak performances first up. So that was an interesting bit of analysis early. It may have explained why it did drift on the day as well. Now, Big V, usually at this time of the uh, podcast, I throw to you so you can rant about something that's really getting you excited or getting you upset. We've had some rippers the last few weeks, you know, no, talking well, about Sky 2. Hopefully they've rectified that for you. 20-cent bet drifts. I mean, it's take, it, isolation must be uh, frustrating you a little bit, mate, because you've got some small issues to deal with over the last couple. But When you're not, when you're not going outside, you <laughs> don't have much to complain about because you don't know what's happening anymore. But, uh, I see that you haven't been too happy with the rant, so you've taken it off the run sheet. I've taken week. it off, mate. Now, until you can come back with something that's a bit more uh, hardy, it's getting removed. You've been banned. But what we'll do instead, instead of ranting about an issue with racing, I want you to rant about a couple horses. So I'll, I've given you the task of going away and picking two or three horses that you want to sack. And not just like we do on the should have sacked it fire where we... Or throw them in, throw them in the bin. Yeah, these are ones that you are, that are going into the bin. You will not be backing again. Forget about it when you see them on the track. Uh, can't win again. So I'll, I'll throw over to you, mate. What are your couple of horses that you didn't like? Well, I didn't necessarily back these horses, but I think these are horses that I'm going, going to steer clear from. And the first one I've mentioned before is Cosmic Force. I think until we see some substance, some substance out of him he's in the bin <laughs> Fidelia is another one you know there was a sort of change of tactics I know they led they weren't going they weren't supposed to lead but they were looking to be a bit more positive but still that wasn't um, didn't do any favours for her she's run eight beaten three lengths and she was second favourite in the race so just her racing pattern she can't win. Then she's ridden upside down. She's not going to win. So she goes in the bin. <laughs> we need yeah, a sound yeah. effect every time a horse goes into the bin, mate. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good idea. Uh, another horse in the bin is Yow Dash. Beaten favourite twice now and been very disappointing both starts. And I'm just trying to see what she was beaten this time around. She's beaten five and a half lengths on Saturday and the start before she was beaten seven lengths so he's not the he doesn't look to be the same horse so Yao Dash is in but I think acting has to go in the bin as well that's the last horse she's been uh, busted up since uh, that hard run in the Angus Armanasco in late Feb so yeah I think she's that must have burned her up. So she's been very poor since then. I think she's run. Um, I think she's run close to last year, and yeah, very uh, disappointing. So that's a that's the the fourth horse to go into bin. 
I think you've been a bit harsh with a couple there, mate. One in particular, Cosmic Force. Have you ever seen a bigger fall from grace with you? You've got it's gone from your your best bet of the day to into the bin, not going to back it again. That's a, that's a huge fall from grace, mate. Well, I did say until it it shows something. I mean, its last two efforts have been pretty weak, and I know that it was we touched on that he was lame, but you know he's been beaten twice now as a favourite and didn't give a yelp on the weekend and and with the, the last horse acting I don't think I'm being harsh with acting since um, the Angus Armanasco she's been beaten 15 lengths so, okay in the group one but here she's um, been beaten three lengths in a benchmark 90 Oh, well, there's plenty of other races for it to get into, but okay, good start, Big V. I like that. You've you've certainly been aggressive with the horses you sacked there, so can't knock you for that. So, yep, that's our first uh, Big V rant, horses into the bin, into the bin edition uh, that we've gone through there, mate. Last week we got a listener question that you uh, answered very well, and this week we've got a couple more that have come through. But the one that caught my eye and the one I'm most interested to run by you is about speed maps. So I'll quickly read you the question here. It's short and sharp, but I'd be interested in your thoughts from, from our listener question here. So the question is, before a race meeting, do you guys do a speed map? Are they worth the effort? So what I might get you to do, Big V, is answer the question, obviously, but also maybe just start with by explaining what speed maps are and, and how you use them. Yeah, I think technically there's a difference between the speed map and the positional map, but I just tend to just see it as, as one thing. And what I do is I look at a race that I'm interested in having a bet in, and then I will write down the names of the horses from the barriers that they're jumping out from, and then just and then just draw some um, and you know an arrow across the page just to just to assess where in the run that horse is going to be and who's, which horse is going to be on speed, you know, which horse might be you know, trapped wide and the horses that are going to be back in the field. And then I write down the horses again underneath, you know, where they're going to be positioned in the run. And I do find that that's pretty helpful. I do get some speed maps sent to me as well. But I, I, they are helpful because that's what the, the big punters look at. And, that's, and a lot of times you see the the big money moves are on horses that have the, the best position in running. And I think that's what you're looking for with your speed and positional maps is which horse is the most advantage? You know, are they going to be on the speed? Are they going to be, are they back markers going to be too far back? And then you can assess whether it's going to be a, a fast tempo or a slow tempo. You know, sometimes you might be interested in backing a, an on pacer, but there might be too much speed in the race that you might, it might deter you from backing that horse. Or other times you might back a leader in a slowly run race and you go, well, they're not going to catch this. So I think speed and positional maps are, are a must before you have a, a bet. And sometimes I might just have a mental speed map in my mind. Like, for example, you know, going back to Colette and Probabil, when Colette from Barrier 4 was going to be, you know, in the first six in the run and Probabil from Barrier 12 is going to be out the back. Yeah, which horse do you which horse has got the most advantage position in run in, in running and that's Colette. But obviously the, the how the track plays during the day as well might come into your views on speed maps as well. Not just like do you adjust them during the day if you see a bias or you see horses winning from a certain area? I'm not 
very good adjusting. That's uh, that's not one of my strengths as a punter yet. That's something I've got to still develop. Otherwise, if I see something that goes against the pattern of the race or the, the pattern of the day, I'm more inclined to not have a bet, just stay out. And I suppose that's why you, you, you have the speed maps so you other people can adapt. So if they see a horse where there's a pattern where people are running on or horses are running on, you might decide to you know, back a horse that's going to sit on midfield and get, just get that ideal run on a pretty solid speed. And then I also find that with races that are got a, a really fast tempo, sort of like, um, you know, if you go to an extreme example, a race that you have nature stripping, horses that are going to be back in the field are too far too far behind to make up the ground that they need to. So you sort of got to have a you sort of got to have a, an idea in your mind how the race is going to run sometimes it doesn't always fall into place but you still got to at least prepare for what might happen yeah and i think probably someone like yourself who's obviously doing tips in the herald sun and spending a lot of time analyzing horse racing probably has a bit more time to do things like this from sort of the mug punter perspective i don't ever do speed maps but i think it's more like what you've said around doing a mental speed map getting a bit of a gut feel for how a race might pan out based on who's in the race what barriers different main chances are and how you think it'll pan out rather than actually putting it on paper so that's probably how i do it it's more of a mental speed map but yeah actually putting one on paper that's not something i've ever done maybe it's something i should start doing but i guess when you've got you know, a multitude of factors when picking a horse. That's not always something that springs to mind as what I, what I should be doing. Yeah, well, one track that I always get it wrong is Sandown Lakeside. And when I do the tips for the paper and when I go through the Sandown Lakeside form, I'm still picking what I think is the best horse in the race. And I've got to keep telling myself I've got to adapt because at the Lakeside track, there's a lot of slow-tempo races and which is why a lot of leaders and on paces tend to win at the lakeside track. So I'm going to try and do a bit more of that into my into my form analysis, and try and find a lot more leaders, front runners compared to back markers when it comes to the lakeside track. Because I always get that track wrong because I'm looking at what I think is the best horse in the race, or what I think is the horse with the best form, but then they're back in the field and when I'm when I end up watching the race I'm always saying to myself why did I have that horse on top it's just too far back got no chance of winning so that's something that I've got to alter for, for that track as, as an example yeah it's a good it's a good point and actually something as you know as you know I follow the country circuit that you've got to take into consideration there's a lot of different tracks around the the state with different orientations different makeups that you really do need to know your track well and actually it's funny you 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 brought something up that i've just what i've just finished watching the stall cup of of everything and a a horse named scalm was the favorite i think it started about a dollar 90 so heavily favored but it was a back marker and to be honest i saw it run then and it it put in actually a really good run it was only ever going to finish third or fourth because just the way that that track was set up the way the speed um, of the race occurred the pattern was never going to suit it so it's a really good example of even though a horse is two dollars a dollar ninety that 
the, the pattern of the race or the speed map would have told you that it's not really a strong chance and shouldn't have been $2. So uh, a real-life example, if you do get a chance, the, the listener who's uh, sent that one in, check out the Stall Cup and Skelms run. You can see where doing a speed map is really important before a race because, yeah, that horse um, was never in the race and just couldn't yeah. be just the way it was run. Well, well, thanks for the running through that question, Big V. I'm sure um, our listener has taken a lot out of that one. We might, hopefully, we've got a couple other questions in the bank too that we'll bring bring to the listeners over the next couple of weeks. But before we move on to our horses to follow, I just wanted to quickly look forward briefly to Randwick next week. We've got a couple of big races there again, um, basically the end of the, the major carnival there. So it'd be great if we could get to that. But the first one I wanted to look at, and one we've discussed in the past, is the All Age Stakes, which uh, features a couple of our favourites, most notably Santa and Elaine, but also a horse that you're pretty keen to jump on. Yeah, I'm keen to get on Parada in this race, and I know Santa has won. I think Santa's first Group One was a 1400 metre race. Um, I think it was the Rupert Clark. This is that's just a guess at the top of my head, but I'm. I'm keen to get on Parada. I think one of the two will win. Uh, Bivouac's also going to be in the race as well, apparently. And one of Bivouac's biggest wins was 1,400. But I think Parada and Santa just performed a lot better in the TJ. Yeah, I I mean, I'm surprised you've jumped off Bivouac. You were very bullish about it uh, a few weeks ago. But I think the sneaky chance in it at about $7 too is Dreamforce. Listeners will know I'm a big Santa Ana Lane fan, so likely to be on that. But I think at the $7 point, Dreamforce, proven Group 1 winner, is is worth a a spec, particularly if it drifts throughout the week. Yeah, yeah, it's a chance. And I did hear that Tafani's going to the all-age, which disappointed me a little i thought that might have been a good chance in a race like the goodwood um but anyway that's uh another horse in there it was certainly an eye-catching run last start um and just out of interest parada won the all-aged last year beating osborne bulls so going for back-to-back wins yeah i think as you mentioned too, how the track is looking and playing will be important. We do have a heavy track. I think that swings the pendulum towards Priorata, but if it's a nice dry track and it does manage to be a good good three or good four, then I think that throws it back into Santa's favour. So I think we'll have to wait and see and play that one on the day based on the conditions and, and how the barriers and other things sort of plan out for that one. Uh, the other race we wanted to look at was the Champagne Stakes uh, for the two-year-olds there. We've got King's Leg- Legacy after its big win last start, favourite currently at $2.60. Ole Kirk, which I think ran in fourth in behind it at $3.60. And a couple others that you've liked over time, like AIM at $7.50 and Glenn Fittick. But uh, how do you see that one panning out, mate? I noticed that your, your fave Mama Reagan isn't there. No, that's gone for a spell. I'm not too keen on this race. I just don't like it at all. I'm, I know King's Legacy won well. I'm just going to have a look at a few replays during the week. I think Ollie Kirk was a good run as well in the size, so maybe that's the one I might be leaning towards. Yeah, a bit early to tell that one too. I can see in the market there there's only actually seven horses there, so uh, I think a bit to play out before next Saturday. But again, looking forward to another big week at Randwick with a couple of uh, big races there. So we might move on then to our horses to follow from yesterday, yesterday being Saturday. 
Uh, I've got two. So we've already discussed Master of Wine. I, I don't think it lost any of its followers in the Queen Elizabeth's there. That, that, that was a big fourth, I thought, and it's definitely uh, due for bigger and better things in the spring, as I discussed. The other one was actually in race six at Caulfield. So that was Reykjavik, which was first up, ran a nice third with a with a big weight, hit the line well, and I think we'll definitely get a win or two in this prep. Big V, what were the ones you, you thought? I know that uh, in our discussions yesterday, you weren't overwhelmed with options here. You weren't too impressed with a couple of the horses, but any any of the follow from your perspective? Yeah, it's a bit tricky because a lot of horses in Sydney will probably go for a spell and they're at the end of their campaign. I think maybe from Sydney for Seeker, that he's only had three runs this prep. I wonder if there's another run they can squeeze in with with her. And then looking at Caulfield, Seabrook might be ready for a win. Interestingly, her last win was back in April 2018 in the Champagne Stakes. But I probably want to back her in in a similar type of race. You know, though I think you can't judge her based on her second to very elegant last year. I don't think she's at that level at the moment. So, you know, maybe in a similar race, Seabrook looked like she's ready to win. And I thought Super Titus might also be close to a, a win as well. He was um, a surprise drifter yesterday, $9 out to 14 and finished third in the last race at Caulfield. Yeah, a couple of good ones to follow there, mate. You undersold yourself, but I guess we're moving into almost the winter carnival soon and you can definitely find some good value from some of these uh, probably B-grade horses moving into that winter series and uh, definitely still money to be made. So a couple of nice ones to follow there, mate. It's also a very tricky time as well because you, we're going to have a lot of horses of similar abilities all racing against each other and, and most of the time it's just going to be luck in running and that type of thing, that's the difference. So it is a very dangerous period when you're just coming out of the, the carnival. Well, hopefully your uh, speed map lesson, a few people were taking notes there, mate, because it sounds like it might be important moving forward. Uh, speaking of moving forward, we've got our runs from the bush segment and... Uh, We've had varying success with a couple of our horses to follow. Um, shortly after we did our podcast last week, one of your faves, Moi Choi, was it? Moi, <laughs> Moi <No>, Choi. <laughs> it ran last, didn't it? It ran last at Echuca in its third start, which was a bit disappointing. And It was a late drifter, so I suspect it's uh, bound for bigger and better things later on in its prep. But it's back at the race course now, and, uh, yeah, one to keep an eye on. But, I, yeah, it wasn't a great watch first up. Uh, at a Chuka there last week. You're not going to make Russian Camelot your run from the bush. <laughs> that was a good run from the bush and uh, a good fill up for some and a dollar forty there at Packenham. Yeah, it was a good win. I think I think a lot of people got carried away with the win because that was what you'd expect to see from Russian Camelot against that field. If you had seen a a win. You know, by two or three lengths, I think you would have been pretty disappointed. You wanted to see that horse just put away that field if it's going to be any chance of winning the SA Derby. So, look, I was, you know, I thought it was an outstanding win, but I wasn't going to get carried away with it because I expected that horse to just demolish that field in the manner that he did. Yeah, and I think it's got a few quirks, obviously, still, but benchmark 64 at Packenham on a Thursday night. It had to put those ones away, as you say. The jockeys have talked about the fact that they have seen Group 1 potential in it. So a Group 1 horse in a benchmark 64 is always going to um, 
do some damage, I would have thought. So a dollar forty, if someone, anyone got that, I, I certainly didn't bother at that price. But um, I'm sure a lot of people will be able to fill up on that one. But one horse I did get to fill up on, and it's a horse well, very well known to this podcast and the runs from the bush segment. Uh, even appeared in one of my only rants. This one is Liale, which uh, managed to win race three yesterday at Caulfield. So that's a good success for this segment. It was a $26 winner, so certainly didn't miss the price there, Big V. We actually called this one out a couple of weeks ago because it didn't run to its usual pattern in its first up run, and I had a bit of a rant about the fact that they didn't lead with it and that it really didn't get a chance to show its uh, wares in that particular race. What also irked me was that there was no comment in the stewards report about it. But I tell you what, I'm hoping a few of our listeners were following it because we did mention keep an eye on it next start and, and make sure you're on it. And at $26, I certainly was. So hopefully you were too, Big V, because that was shortly after my big away game win. So it was a very good start to my day yeah, at that I'm price. Glad I'm glad you're on it, Phil. I'm glad one of us jumped <laughs> Don't you follow me, mate? What's going on? No, I... Um... Missed the race, and when I saw 26 bucks, I thought, uh, nah, surely not. It was a nice jump and run effort, actually. Led all the way, and that's how it should it be ridden. Ran to its pattern. It ran to its pattern, it and it speed. wins. So that's where your speed map matters. But, uh, yeah, I was start- I'm, still, I'm still scratching my head about its first up run. Put it that way. But, you know, yeah, you, be, yeah. you get the biscuits that's at the that's end, that's so that's all that matters. So... Um, so that's just about it for this week's episode of the Should Have Backed It podcast. Uh, that was Season 2, Episode 9. Uh, we've been putting our best bets up on the Twitter handle, at Should Have Backed It. Big V and I both won for one out of two yesterday, which was a pretty good result. And I think I had Anaheed for each way bet, which ran a nice third as well. So if you did want to check out who we're on on a weekend, check out our Twitter handle on Saturday morning. Big V puts those up with a few different emojis, etc. Aside from that, you can always contact the show, ask a question of Big V. He's obviously done the speed map one today, but he's got plenty of knowledge that he would like to impart on everyone. So if you do have any comments or questions, please don't hesitate to contact us at the at should at should have backed at Twitter handle. So uh, anything to add, Big V? You're pretty content with yesterday. You're still drinking whiskey from yesterday, I assume. Got a few Easter eggs this morning, so can't be unhappy. No, it's been uh, it was a good weekend. Made a roast for Easter lunch, just uh, us two at home. So, yeah, good weekend. What roast was it, mate? It's a beef roast. Oh, disappointing. Nice. Uh, <laughs> it, wasn't a, it wasn't a lamb one. I'm sure you'll be doing. You'll be cooking um, some lamb later tonight. Get the spit out, lamb. mate. Yep. Grease but, it up uh, with some oil. Yeah. Otherwise, looking forward to next week at Randwick, and then we've got the Adelaide Carnival coming up. Yeah, absolutely. We've definitely got a few weeks of uh, material for the podcast, and I'm sure uh, punters are. Uh, very keen to see who's going to win because there's not much else to bet on at the moment. So <laughs> a lot of a lot of our mates are getting around the horse racing, which is good to see and good for the industry moving forward as well. But uh, as always, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast over the Skype and with Big V and I. So uh, stay safe during the week and as always, good luck on the punt. <laughs>